Pete Smith. Thanks for joining us and yet another one of our lovely podcasts. It is. <laughs> Every day that we do this, there'll be a new bit of equipment, won't there? I've noticed that we haven't got the big things in front of our faces anymore. Yeah. I think they weren't here last week. No, they weren't. I was going to mention that. I to mention that. Yeah, I was going to mention it too, because I thought, you know, we had the big Just red things. Just secretly spending our mortgage money on new things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> You're walking in a few weeks, and I'll do a full soundproof booth. <laughs> I just realised that the red things were sticking <laughs> over, and we could just, like, peering over the eyes, you know. And now, <laughs> now with these things, they're a little we're bit free. more... Yeah, we're free. We're liberated. Yeah, it's just form. It's been a bit of a mad week, I'm not going to lie, if I'm looking a bit tired to people who are watching me on YouTube. <laughs> that is because yesterday I was in Oxfordshire and then today I was in London and now I'm back home in Manchester and I don't think I've slept. No, I'm, I'm surprised that you're still walking. I'm not walking, I'm sat down. Yeah, I'm still surprised that you're still awake. Then. We're not going to put it to the test because I could well fall. Yeah. Like in the old days where women fainted and then had to be brought round with smelling salts. It's what? strange, because that's a tradition that seems to have died out. I don't know whether you remember in the black and white movies. I did spend a lot of time watching pretty awful black and white movies that I still love to this day when I was a child. But it would often result at some point where a woman would be mildly shocked and just faint. And then she would be brought round with what seems to be a man carrying smelling salts. Kind of the opposite of GHB in yeah. our society these days, where you just get knocked out by a man who wants to date rape you. But have, you have you ever smelt smelling salts? I've never smelt them. There's something no. I've never really had the opportunity to, to get hold of and have a good whiff of. But I mean... Do, people, do they still exist? Of course they do. People, well, if, if fresh you know, breath sprays... If they still exist, smelling salts, because you get people who used to go, hang on a minute, I'm just going to go in, you know, in films you'd get, you'd get it years ago, where there'd be like a woman over the other side of the room and the guy would be like, oh, hello. I think they still do that in things today. <laughs> walk over, you know. So. How has that got any relevance to Well, it's that similar salts? sort of thing, like carrying a, a mouth spray. No, it's, to like carrying it's like got abs... It's nowhere near in the same category. That's like mm. saying carrying chewing gum is like carrying a gun. Oh, because I can use them both. It's like, no, smelling salts are specifically for arousing somebody. Yeah. Just make, I mean, what, what, what do they smell way. of? That's what I'm asking you. I mean, I got carried away with, and side, uh, sort of went on the sidetrack of talking about, you know, things which were some, something similar to carrying in your pocket when you're a gentleman. Is it a gentleman's thing that you used to carry in the black and white movie days? I don't know. But, I don't know. You know what are the smell of? That's what I mean. Why were women collapsing everywhere is the bigger question. <laughs> like, Why oh. did men have to carry round smelling salts because women were just randomly fainting all over? Yeah. Margaret, oh, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, get the smelling salts out, Jack. You know, was it just a middle class thing or an aristocracy thing? Because I can't imagine in factories where women were hard grafting it that, you know, they were passing out randomly unless... I mean, I've seen in films and stuff, they have those things that crack and stick under the nose. So maybe that's what smelling salts are now, sort of. I don't know. Have you seen them? They're like this little... That brings people around. So I wonder if that's the equivalent of... When have you ever seen anybody do that? (laughs) I've seen it... People who are listening or watching must have seen it at some point on television or in a movie. Someone who's gone down and fainted and they've gone over and cracked something under the nose instead of just like smelling salts. And they crack it like a oil thing or something and it lets out the smell and it just like wakes them up. Uh, it must be the equivalent of, you know, is it ammonia or something? I don't know. I think ammonia is one of the things that kind of knocks you out oh. of it, isn't it? 
Well, maybe not Don't be going round reverse like smelling salts. Oh, I've got some chloroform. Yeah. <laughs> Have a go, smell hey. this. She's not coming round. Hey, come here. This is called reverse smelling salts. <laughs> and, and quick, get the smelling salts out. <laughs> Just a practice, really. No, oh. it's definitely something that they use. And it's, it's like... Um, you know, sometimes when you get the, we had the vitamin B12 injections and you crack the top off and you get the injection. It's, it's what we used to give, you know, people have been given when they have vitamin B deficiency. They, have, they come in little vials and then they crack the top and it's like a little it's like glass. So, and then they, they, they inject it from that, they pull it out. But that's what it's like. It's like a thing that they crack and then they sniff it under the nose. I'm definitely not going insane here. I'm telling you now, Emma, I've seen this. Not with my own eyes in, in real life, but I've seen it. So... I'm not saying you haven't seen it. I'm just saying I'm not sure how we've gone on to an in-depth discussion about smelling salts. Because we were saying we can't believe that you're still walking. No, it was more to do with the fact that you decided to suggest that smelling salts were exactly the same as a mouth spray. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why you should never be allowed to make decisions over items that should be carried in pockets because clearly there'd be no use in a scenario mm. where a middle-class woman fainted. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Here, have some mouth spray. Yeah, mouth spray. I'm like, you know... Who is this patient? My goodness, she smells fresh and minty. I tell you what, it's a good idea, mouth spray. It's better than chewing gum, though, isn't I it? I used to have mouth spray. Did you? Yeah. Just to... Uh, yeah. I think it was like, do you know when you go through that really awkward stage when you're like in your early 20s and you decide that like you smell? I don't know whether everybody goes through that, but I think a lot of people do that. I went through a period of time where I just decided that like maybe I would smell, like maybe I'd have like bad breath or whatever. So I would always carry around like this little mouth spray and I would just like, oh, before a client came in. So they thought, oh, oh how yeah. fresh I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's a good idea because you're like, you know, when you're doing therapy and stuff, you're sort of quite... Well, it is because you smell. So... Who smells? You're a man and you smell. Oh, you said this the other day actually to me. Men. Smell meaty. Men smell meaty. I'm, veg I'm vegetarian. How can I smell meaty? It. Don't, I don't I smell know. like vegetable meat. Even. <laughs> Every man I know smells meaty. Well, if, 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 there's two things. You, you can either smell meaty or vegetable eat. <laughs> no, you just smell I don't want to smell like either. I don't smell meaty. You do smell meaty. I smell, I smell meaty. Most men smell meaty and like kind of like matured. <laughs> even like nowadays, like I go into our kids' rooms and I, I'm like, oh. And actually sometimes I go in our bedroom and it's you. Are you sure it's not just you? <laughs> you don't smell. You smell nice. You smell it's really nice. just men. For it's all the like... people that, that are just watching or listening and can't, it's not like a scratch and sniff experience. <laughs> yeah. She smells really nice. <laughs> yeah, you do smell nice. But seriously. You know, I'll take the, I'll take the meaty smell. It's just not... means I've got testosterone. It's, yeah, it's your pheromones and your hormones and your testosterone. And it's like, you know, when it's been left to fester overnight. Uh, I'd just like to point out for this podcast that I don't fester... Thanks. You do, Fester. All of you do in the house. I, I live in a house of men. Every single day I wash. The house of men. You are very clean. This is not Thank an you. issue. Yeah. You are clean. And thus, I am suggesting that that's how meaty men smell. That in spite of being clean, you still mm. manage to muster up a festery, dead cat kind of aroma in the morning. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> so all I'm saying. So all I'm saying. Do you know what? I'm actually yeah. now midway through my existential crisis. Oh gosh, yeah, we mm. yeah, this is what we talked about last week, wasn't we did. it? The existential crisis. So you're midway through I'm it. I'm midway now. through it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how long it's been going on. It could have been years, yeah. but it's been recognised recently. I reckon about halfway through, I feel a bit more positive now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool. feeling a bit more like, oh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Like just because society says I'm getting older, and uh, basically I'm going to become invisible. 
I'll just wear really, really loud clothes and refuse to be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the way I'm going to go with it. I've decided. Just dye your hair red. And... I'm just not going to go down quietly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to just surround myself with people who notice me, maybe for all the wrong reasons, but that's what's going to happen. And I'm going to be cool with that. And you know what? If I want more kids, I'm going to have more kids. Yeah, not sure how. But Viv- we'll cross yeah. that bridge when I come to it. You start dressing, dressing like Vivian Westwood, and I love Vivian Westwood. Vivian Westwood yeah, is one of is. my icons. Yeah, she's brilliant. Mainly because of the punk stuff. I'm not like into fashion. <laughs> not that anyone would know what with me being such a huge fashion artist. I mean, Emma Kenny synonymous with incredible taste in clothes. Mm. But uh, no, on a serious note, she's an incredible yeah. woman. Malcolm you know, McLaren and her and yeah, there's, have you seen the Malcolm? There's a good interview with Malcolm McLaren about about. Her and Malcolm McLaren. That's now, whenever I think, so not what bricks through windows and stuff. Mm. Yeah. But when I think about kind of Johnny Rotten and the Sex Pistols, obviously who Malcolm McLaren managed. Yeah. I can only just think about butter now. Oh, I did the butter advert. Didn't Johnny he? Rotten did that. Yeah. Well, Malcolm McLaren, I can think about. I just need to start going. Ba 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 ba. He did the uh, skipping track. It's brilliant. Did he? Yeah, the double Dutch. Did he? Didn't you? I'm just. My gosh, if you've never heard the track, and there's actually a good remix of it I might as have well. heard the track. The Double Dutch, he did Double Dutch, yeah, the um, Michael McLaren Double Dutch with the skippers, you know the Double Dutch skipping? I know what Double Dutch yeah. is. Well, he did that, and it was used in all sorts, but there's been remixes of it, and it's brilliant. I mean, it's, what, a, what a great loop that is. It I wonder is. whether Sid Vicious would have been okay with the fact that Johnny ended up promoting Butter. I don't know, maybe, maybe he didn't know. Well, he, did, um, he went time celebrity and then legged it, didn't he? What, Johnny Rotten? Not Johnny Rotten. Um, Malcolm McLaren. Was it Malcolm McLaren? Was it Sid not Vicious? Sid Vicious? Not Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious is well dead. Who's the other guy? Um, yeah, Malcolm McLaren. I think it was Malcolm McLaren. Oh, no, Johnny Rotten. That's who it was. Yeah, he's Johnny really, Rotten. He's really outspoken. The guy did butter. Yeah, Johnny Rotten. Sorry, I get mixed up. It, it was him. He did. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm almost sure he went on. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Did he? And just absolutely hated them. <laughs> You know, Johnny wouldn't have stayed, and, yeah, and he didn't. He legged it. He just went. I don't. I don't. I don't want your money. I don't want nothing. This is just. You're all just a bunch of cretins, and just legged it. Cretins, our favourite word this week. It is. Mm. Last week, I had loads of negative comments off somebody because I do clinics. So if anybody's listening to my podcast and wants any free advice, I kind of exist in different areas of the world, in different ways. So on Twitter and on Facebook, I kind of have my professional stroke personal life. So I often will comment inappropriately, but sometimes I might make some points that are actually professional. And then I also have my clinics on Facebook Live, which is cool because if you want to ask any questions and get any advice for free, it's my way of giving back and also just means that I can kind of connect with my lovely cyber family because I love my cyber family. But last week, somebody complained that I gesticulate too much. And I get this quite a lot. I get it a lot. I get it a lot. I get it a lot. There you go. I'm gesticulating. If you you can't, if you don't like me gesticulating, but you don't mind my voice and want to listen to me, just listen to me on the podcast on iTunes instead of watching me because I'll gesticulate like this. But apparently they said, I gesticulate. Because I think it makes me look intelligent. Yeah, they, read, they said, I think the actual words were, you only gesticulate because intelligent people do it and that's why you do it. I mean, so what they're saying is that you think you're intelligent so you move your hands. Yeah. Nothing to do with the words that come out your mouth. Uh, and then funny. to be honest, you don't walk around with saying, I'm intelligent. I know you're intelligent, but you don't. You, 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 are, you are very modest and you say, I'm not this, I'm not that. You know, and you're just you. 
Well, I'm just good at speaking and listening. And you've, you've and a, problem you, solving. You, you, you have a good brain. Well, as long as it's around speaking, listening, and problem solving, <laughs> I've got a good brain. Well, that's a seriously, that's quite. But isn't it isn't weird it? what annoys you about people? Like, there is literally nothing I can do about my gesticulation. If I was to try to control it, what would happen is I wouldn't be able to string a sentence together because I'd be so avidly trying to control the way that I move. Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, that would go against who I was and also the way I express myself. And it kind of got me thinking about, firstly, the type of people who go out of their way to try to make you feel shitty in yeah. your life and what that says about them as a human being. And then also how we've got to a position in social media as well where people are just offended by presence. It's Mm. really strange to me that you can go and do something. Let's take that clinic, for example. That's something I do for half an hour once a week. It's free. It means that I can reach people who might have messaged me. I get a lot of messages of people who are really having a bad time. It means I can approach it really fast. It can do it quickly. They can read it and watch it again and again. And so it kind of has that reinforcement effect. And yet a person will choose to sit there, much like we were talking about last week, about on Britain's Darkest Taboos where somebody's watched it and got really annoyed with me and then watched every episode, like as if they just need to watch it again to just remember just how annoying I am, that they have to ensure that they continue to expose themselves to it to a point where they're in a rage and probably smashing their rooms up, screaming my name and having nightmares about me. And I'm sitting here going, I don't give a shit about that because I don't even know who you are. I'm never going to give you a second thought, but when I can give you as an interesting fact in my podcast but the gesticulation one kind of made me go do you know what are you living a life where you are actually going out of your way to pursue finding fault Hmm. like you will come on a clinic that's free is given in good faith because I really care about people out there it's just like a fundamental part of making me feel good is making other people feel good about themselves and helping them that makes me feel reinforced but they actually are watching me so they can have a go about my body language and you know what really kind of pisses me off is as you know I suffer from quite debilitating tics you know it's just part of who I am a tic individual since I was a child some neurological issues there no doubt but when it comes down to it, I've learned to control my tics in a way that, at least on television, I don't have to work with them where it's so public. Yeah. But at the same time, a lot of my gesticulation is to avoid ticking because I don't want to be publicly ticking all the time. And anybody who's listening to this and has tics, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And quite a few of my followers have got tics and they talk about that. And I am open about the fact that I have quite serious tics, but... I do control it in an effective way. Yeah. And part of that is to always feel animated. I guess it's a little bit like when Michael J. Fox started with Parkinson's disease and the neurological condition that causes that disease means that he shakes a lot. And one of the ways he overcame that was to move a great deal, to constantly kind of be animated because it distracts the person from seeing the immediate issue. Yeah. And I'm exactly the same. And also it's just been there since I was a kid. You know, there is nothing about my body language that has changed since I was a child. I've always been an animated conversationalist. And actually, I really love it when people are conversationalist bodily as well with me. Because I kind of like feel like it's a connection experience. You're very animated a lot of the time. You know, we'll sit and you'll use your arms a lot. And I love it. But I just kind of sat there and I thought, do you know what? 
You're a wanker. Yeah, I mean, this it's to me, it's... You're a wanker. The, these people are just, you know, it's not just a troll, you know, it's not a society where trolling just, you know, part and parcel it now. These, these people are coming on to these channels and without any knowledge, you know, without any of your background... Deciding something and then coming on and slating you I mean, and being inappropriate that. and aggressive yeah, and insulting, but, right? Yeah. So for a fact, you know, why do you gesticulate? You're this, you're that, because you do this. You know, actually, you've just Emma's just explained to you, you know what I mean, to anybody else who's listening, why she does mm. that. So maybe if you just, you know, just mm. have a think before you do that, you know, because mm. it there is there's a reason, you know, people, I mean, and the reason that you come on there because you're angry and saying that Emma actually gesticulates because she thinks that she's intelligent is childish and it is just, it's it's just immature. I love, I love the idea, though, that just, somebody's random thought process has gone, oh, 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 oh wait a minute, yeah. she's gesticulating, hang on. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> Apparently research suggests clever people gesticulate. <laughs> oh, she's gone away. And she's practiced gesticulating. Yeah, in the mirror. And she does it all the time. Yeah. But when she goes home, she just goes, hmm. Yeah. And just sits quietly in a chair, silently not moving. When all the young teenage girls were in front of the mirror doing the dance routines, not Emma Kenny, she was at home practicing her gesticulation. Gesticulation? She was making Clever. up. Yeah. She's doing her own form of sign language. One of these kids is doing their own thing. If you want to join me on my How to Gesticulate to Be Clever classes, they'll be coming out soon for quite an expensive price. Stay tuned. <laughs> on a serious note, though, it kind of makes me go, so everything you've just said about people who are trolling me, oh. I genuinely don't mind about it. I, I just don't care. Yeah. I respond to a lot of them. and People tell me off for responding, but I'm just like, communication's communication. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be bad. It just mm. is. My thing is more about the fact that people in this world, in the UK, where I go on about this all the time, but man, we are lucky. We are in the UK, you know, we've got an NHS Mm. system for our health. Yeah, it's overburdened and understaffed and under-resourced, but it exists, you know. That means the poorest of the poor get treatment. Yeah. And that's amazing, right? We have free education. Yes, it's a bit Victorian and outdated, but you know what? It means all our kids read and write. It gives them options and choices, yeah? We mostly, don't get me wrong, one in three kids in the UK are living in poverty. But poverty is not the same in the UK, and that is not to say it's acceptable. It's completely unacceptable in the UK that there is any child out there who is being deprived of food. It is completely, completely out of order. However, it's not like they're also sleeping under their sewing machine, working seven days a week and being beaten up, which is what happens in other countries. And they're in countries where they actually get to have lives like that. Let's not even consider the difference between that and kids who are being killed in the Congo or kids in the Syria. So the reality is in the UK, we're walking around and we should have an attitude of gratitude. That's it. But what blows my mind is with all these like amazing resources and opportunities, there are people who wake up every day and go, right, how can I find the shit in everything? (laughs) Do you know? And it must be draining for them. It must be draining for them to walk down the street and be like, I don't bloody like his hair. Yeah. Oh, the way she smiled with those crooked teeth is well offending me. Yeah. I need to go and tell everybody, sorry, I need to go and tell my 29 followers on Twitter. That's what I need to do. Do you know what I mean, though? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like they've fallen out of love with being alive. Yes. And the need to somehow find that 
spark of actually just being alive again. Listen, we've all had down times. We've all had, you know, you're in the middle of an existential crisis, for God's sake. You know what I mean? <laughs> mine, through it. Our mine's to come yet, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. I'll know how to get through it by then. I won't have any patience with yes, yours. Yes, <laughs> and I don't want to Harley Davidson thank you very much. <laughs> Although I like them, yeah. but I would kill myself on it. <laughs> yes, you would. Pulling wheelies and jumping through I would have killed you prior to that if you'd bought a Harley <laughs> Davidson, so just remember that point of view. If that happens, yeah. you'll die. Yes, I'm not going to build a man cave either. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, pitch. though? It's like, bloody hell. The neural pathways in your brain change when you feel positive and you think positive and you speak positive. And you should just do that. And that isn't to say there aren't moments. Like, people will say stuff to me on Twitter and I'll occasionally just be like, oh, F off your tosser. And it's people like, oh, that's not very professional. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, look at this hello. psychologist saying this on here. Oh my God, that's the nerve of it. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah. I'm somebody who's qualified and I don't care that I'm calling you a tosser. <laughs> Guess what? If you're being a tosser, you're a tosser. Yeah. So stop being a tosser or get off my bloody thing. That's the other thing about it. It's like when you said about Ricky Gervais saying yeah. that going in. <laughs> Oh, that's our cat, by the way. Made me jump that then. I thought, that's our cat over there. So he said about going about the guitar lessons, didn't he? And like screaming at a street because you don't want them, even even though it's not there for you to actually have to have them. The fact that it's saying, would you, would you like them? Yeah. You're like, no, I'm going to tell everyone I don't want yeah. them. Well, it's like, yeah, because he says, doesn't he? He says, you know, going in and there's a, there's a notice up saying, guitar lessons, for anybody who wants guitar lessons, give me this number a call. And you going over and I said, I don't want guitar lessons. Calling them. I don't, is this guitar lesson, man? Yes. I don't want them. <laughs> and putting the phone down. You yeah. know, I mean, it's a really good song. Stop of, offering it is, them. It is the best. It is. I mean, it is funny, but sometimes it's a bit close to the boring you But that is the best analogy mm. I've heard of Twitter. Social media, and yeah. Social media. That I've, I've and ever, I, you know, is, and he I, gets it all the time, yeah. doesn't he? So. And people will say to me, well, you know, rightfully so, if it really bothers you, don't be on it. Now, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't really bother yeah. me. It bothers me as in a little bit of a frustration and a niggle because I think that people should just be a bit nicer. That's all. It's like a human belief system for me. Yeah. But actually, the benefits I get out of Twitter and the benefits I get out of Facebook far exceed the negatives. Yeah, Because yeah, genuinely, I love my Twitter family and my Facebook family. I feel quite aggrieved if any of them are having a bad time. And I kind of feel that if I had a Twitter party, it'd be a brilliant bloody party because people would really connect and get on because we do. Yeah. And now so, you said that, you know, that people are going to be getting in touch saying... Twitter party. Do a Twitter party. <laughs> I'll, I'd happily do that. That'd be ace, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. To just like create a place where all everybody that you wants to come. Off Twitter, mind you, it could be one of those moments where six people turn up and yeah. four of them are your family or and like, they're not even on Twitter. Or all the trolls turn up. Yeah. <laughs> and it could be like a Donald McIntyre sting. <gasps> Got ya! Yeah, just a really <laughs> awkward moment. Just yeah. a really awkward moment. But it yeah. is, it's just that thing about why that whole context of be kind, because you don't know what battles people are facing is really important. But today I got into trouble on social media because somebody messaged me a few days ago. I have been in touch with this person before. I've always been very pleasant with them. Been a couple of days. As you know, I've been in the deepest Cotswolds without any internet. With the Women's Institute? With the Women's Institute, which, let me tell you, is a veritable organisation that my mother will be very proud that I've been there and trained them in mindful practice. And what a lovely group of ladies. And absolutely, I personally think that younger ladies should actually look at joining up, so, it, you know. Yes, because younger ladies, if you're going through an existential crisis like me, you're the youngest person in the room. And that felt very, very nice. Thank you very much. Doesn't happen very often. Sometimes in hospitals, but not very often elsewhere. But when I was there... I got this message and I didn't see it. And then when I saw it today, um, it basically was an addition to the one that they 
talked about before and they were like I'm unfollowing you because you haven't got back to my message and it's because you think you're too famous now so by the way the last time I was in touch with this individual was a week ago so she obviously feels that sometime during that week my fame has gone so existential and so <laughs> exceeded its normal sense that I am no longer reachable you know she she had reached me I had responded and then unfortunately I just got a little bit too famous and she was no longer able to hang on to those coattails and drips of my lace from my dress that I was wearing during the smelling salts after I'd collapsed and I was just thrown into the orbit. And you're like... Some some would say stratospheric. Stratospheric. You know, what has happened in a week that makes the thing? I'm like, oh my God. You're You've like, been catapulted you're into the fame. so last week. Yeah. I'm not going to speak to you. You're like a normal, you mm. know? I'm like, what is that? I don't even know why I decided that was Taylor Swift then. But that blows my mind. And oh, I'm getting that black stuff all over the table. Sorry, guys. You won't understand this, right? If you are <laughs> listening on the podcast, as you know, and if you just stumbled across this, I'll inform you. We sit in my kitchen and my husband's kitchen around a kitchen table that I am very, very much in love with, that my husband upcycled, and it's gorgeous. And somehow, the black makeup that I can't imagine in our household who wears, like, black makeup. I have no idea. Whatever. Maybe it's the dogs. Do you wear black makeup? Some fool has allowed it to go both on the chair that I'm sat on and all over my table. It's distressing. And the whole of this yeah. podcast, I'm going to be sitting here thinking, where's the magic sponge? I'm where's starting the magic to, sponge? I'm actually, I'm actually starting to sweat oh. uh, profusely over the fact that it's everywhere. But isn't it the social media? It's like that thing where she's so angry with me. And I'm like, man, I have a massively busy career, right? I'm completely in charge of two companies, my own for my own personal corporate world, my own with my staff. Yeah. And it's like my priority at the moment is looking after all of those people and caring about their lives and being responsible for them. And then on top of that, I've got to travel all over the country, which I love and I'm completely blessed with. But man, you know, it takes up a lot of time and be beyond any of that. I've got kids that I adore that I've hardly spent any time with this Easter holidays that I am going to be going away with in a few days which we'll talk about shortly we will but you kind of think man do you really think that I've willfully and purposefully avoided you can you not see that maybe just maybe this is about the fact that I one don't spend every minute on social media mm. to create a clinic so that people who really want to ask me questions have always got access to ask me those questions. And most importantly, that I've got bloody priorities. Yeah, so I have my own opinions, as you probably know, on people that get in touch and say, you know, the word troll is isn't is you know, it's it's just the social media name for them, isn't it? But <laughs> I wouldn't say that some of these people are trolls. Trolls. Trolling is going through stuff. And I don't know. I think it's like tro- scrolling, scrolling, and, and trolling like through things to. And trolls are oh, hello, cat. I know what trolls yeah. are. I mean, everybody remembers a troll. They were terrifying. They used to hide under bridges and eat goats. There you go, <laughs> hiding under bridges. It's like hiding under, hiding behind. Because most of these people, I don't care what they say, most of these people are hidden behind a pseudonym or a Twitter handle behind a keyboard, you know. Um, and I think, it, I think with me, it just... I normally just sort of brush a lot of them off, you know, but it's, sometimes there is little, some of the things that make me bite a little bit, and I get very... 
not so much aggressive. I just wish, you know, I'd love these people to just come around my house and knock on my door and then like I'd open the door and then they could say what they want to say to my face or to, about you uh, and then we can handle it, you know, person to person then um, because that's the way I prefer to do things with stuff like that. But I just think that when they get personal, it gets me back up a little bit and yeah. I, get, I get, I feel protective against you, which is stupid because I know that you can handle yourself. I mean, today was one of those days where you on social media struggled because somebody was really aggressive and offensive towards us about my children and our children. Yeah, I mean, that's what it was. I mean, first of all, it started off as uh, a little bit of like, who does Emma Kenny think she is? The usual sort of stuff, you know. Just to say, I think I'm Emma Kenny. Yeah, exactly. Who does Emma Kenny think she is? Emma Kenny. The other one, just to say, is like, who does she think she is spouting those opinions? The person invited on the show to spout my opinions. I know, yeah. <laughs> what would the show be like if it was just sitting there going, mm. I mean, most of the time, though, you're really good because you like, turn it around and discuss things with them, make the, these people see that, you know, you aren't the person that they think that, that yes. you are in the media. Yeah. You know, which people do. I know, listen, I know it's easy to, you know, sometimes I'm a sucker for that. You look on TV and you see, think to yourself, I don't like that person because of what I've read or what I see on. No, you know, no. what I don't realize is TV is TV, right? You know, this is why it's good to do these podcasts with you and stuff, you know. I mean, people can see what you really like, you know. You, and, and people say, oh, I bet you've got skeletons in your closet. I'm sorry, but if you listen to these podcasts, <laughs> all right, you know what I mean? Both you and myself, you know... We're very honest about Oh, skeleton. my God, I couldn't have been more There's honest. Nothing. I mean, for Christ's sake. There's literally you know. nothing that anyone could come out and tell me that I haven't already confided yeah. in you or talked openly about. I mean, literally, sex, drugs and rock and roll, you know what I mean, has been a major part of my life, you know. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's some skeletons for you that are out. But also, I think that one of the things that person did today was start insulting me calling me a bunny boiler saying that my ex-husband had an affair with one of my best friends and you're sitting there thinking well I'm not a bunny boiler because mm. I've literally never been envious or jealous in my life of any situation in fact when that happened with my ex-husband and he had the affair I just asked him to leave and I've had a really good relationship with him ever since yeah, but they, they started saying they started basically they started getting really creepy um, and to the point where they were saying that they actually knew us and the new uh, like personally like they were saying that they knew us literally personally to yeah. a point where like you know they're around our house or something you know um, which is a load of tripe so and, weird you know well you know and, and also and it's that like, my children aren't perfect because they know that they're really bullies and yeah. it's like no, you yeah. don't. My like kid's just been asked whether he'll be head boy. One of them was saying the behaviour of one of your children. It's just like, as if like, I'm gonna, suddenly going to go, how did you know about that? It's like, well, I'm, I'm afraid the behaviour of one of my children was actually quite good because the other one's pretty good as well. Well, you unless, know? unless... It's the weird, freaky, psycho guy from where we used to live. You know, the one who chases and assaults kids. And obviously nobody would take me and you on about it because we'd have gone absolutely mental and had the police involved. And like when anybody found out that somebody was being abusive to any of our children, it was like, not to that child. Yeah. You know, because they were building dens, weren't they? Do you remember? Yeah, building dens, like the old fashioned way of enjoying How yourself. Weird. You know. Um, and then some guy came out and said, well, literally. Some guy physically for, for, assaulted one, not one of our yeah. boys, because our boys were very courteous and very respectful and actually said we are not involved because they weren't involved, but they appreciated the situation. Yeah. But the point was that when the wife of that guy discovered that the child that had stopped and explained they weren't involved and they oh, weren't yeah, attacked yeah, because actually yeah. it wasn't them, 
the point is she was like, not her kind yeah. of thing. And it's yeah. like, not because I'm violent, not because I'm aggressive, but because you absolutely know that I'm going to get the wrath of the law on you because that is completely out of order, assaulting the child. Yeah. Well, there's also the guy that, that they were building dens and he came out on several occasions told them to get lost. Oh, and then yeah. in the end, they went back one day and he chopped it all down. I know. I mean, it's just like, come on, kids are kids, man. You know, it's like not every kid is a lunatic that's going to go out drinking and stuff, you know. We all had them. We all had the kids that were lunatics. That yeah. I used to live in the northeast, man. My, my, my upbringing was brilliant. But on the streets playing out, you know, there was certain estates around and people who'd been brought up in what I'd call some sort of poverty, you know. These kids... The parents weren't the best, you know, and these kids were the type of kids that just rock up to you and just, just headbutt you. I mean, I've been there for, for and I've had, like, like the hard kids of the area walk up to friends of mine, and because these friends of mine look as if they could, like, be tough or whatever, you know, I'm talking when we were sort of quite young, just start, like, start leathering them, sticking, headbutting them, punching them, and, and it was quite, you know, it was like running the gauntlet when I was a kid, you know, so we all get that, you know, but... We still went out, we were building dens, we were doing all that sort of stuff, and no one bothered us. You every- got stabbed. Yeah, well, I got stabbed, but that was Pete's just... story about an actual event where Pete was actually building a den and learnt the consequences of stealing the roof off another den. Yeah, but that, no, they'd stolen the roof off our den, so I went back to get it, brought it back, and then these guys came and to get But us. you were literally stabbed. Yeah. I was. Who gets stabbed at 11? And it wasn't just like stabbed with a knife, it was stabbed with a full-on spear. <laughs> you were stabbed with a spear? With a spear. Like, He's you know, got like stitches a, like a and, and proper scars. But like, yeah, I have. Yeah, that's insane. I yeah. never had anything like that growing up. In fact, my kids have never had anything like that growing up. What's really interesting, though, is the way that it divides opinion when you have an opinion, because obviously the whole point of having an opinion is that not everyone will agree with you. That's what makes it an opinion. Yeah. It's not a fact. It's just an opinion. You might have a fact-based research study that will tell that person that you're commenting from a professional perspective, but obviously it's still your opinion. So you're expecting a division. Mm. But when people ask for evidence, like today was about the behavior of my children versus people who in America potentially have been socially shaming their kids by putting online videos of them doing things that the parent has created as a punishment, whether it's shaving the hair off, that was one of the things that happened, hot pepper sauce being made to drink that, or running behind, running in front of a car because a kid had been bullying um, another child and the father said that he was an inspiration as far as he was concerned to parents because he was letting them know about boundaries. And obviously to me, that's child abuse and it's as simple yeah. as that. But that creates a divide of opinion and that's fine. But I back mine up with the evidence that we have in psychology about how that can affect kids well, in the I long mean, term. I mean, I mean it, doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take a bloody... You know, scientists, yeah, it doesn't take a scientist or a, a super brained person to understand that they're going to, that behavior that they're experiencing from their parents yeah. by showing them what, you know, this, I'm going to make you do this, do that. They can't take, they're going to get angry, right? Mm. Behind it all, they'll be like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do that. And then they'll get past that. And they will be angry kids, right? So angry kids can't do anything to the parents or the adults. No. Okay, because it doesn't affect them because all they'll do is just make well, them do Well, until they get big get, enough. Yes. So what those kids are then going to do, they're going to transfer it to another child who is they're able to put their power onto and their strength onto, you know, uh, weaker children as they think they are, and they're going to bully them again. So I'm sorry, but that's just common sense. Exactly, but the idea of 
bullying to prevent bullying is yeah. just a ludicrous and reductive argument. It's counterproductive. But I do get that he thought to himself, as all those parents thought to themselves, that they were doing their kids some kind of favour by educating them in this way. But I was there, you know, trying to be the voice of reason, bearing in mind the fact that as a parent, I genuinely have never raised a hand to my children, your testament to seeing me that way. Secondly, I've taught them to communicate in an emotional way so that they can express themselves. That does not mean we agree. It does not mean that my children are perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't have situations where they've let me down. Of course, that's normal parenting experience. But the idea of me filming them doing something that I disagree with and then punishing them and sharing it on social media, that defies the very essence of what being a parent is, which is to create a foundation of safety and security in your children. What I want my kids to know is that wherever they are in the world, whatever is going on in their lives, wherever they are feelings-wise, I am home. Mm. I am always home. I am their anchor. I am their safety. I am their foundation. I will never reject them. I will always make them feel safe. And when the world is crippling them and they are falling out with people and they are feeling a little bit broken, I will put them back together because I know that I am home. So if I am to be home and if I am to be security, if I am to be a foundation of safety and love, I can't breach that. Mm. I can't breach that thing. And what I said to the guy today on this morning, because most of you won't ever have watched me on this morning or many of you won't even know what this morning is it's just a daytime program in the UK that I'm very fond of and it's very dear to me that I have the privilege of going on and kind of talking about different things usually I just do the phone-ins actually but there's always somebody who finds me annoying I'm quite used to that but (laughs) when I was there today it was all about this social shaming and what I was expressing was the fact that as a parent would you treat another adult the way that you're treating that child now if you can answer me yes and that involves the fact that you were shaming the hair off or chase them down a street whilst filming them humiliating them I'd call that either coercive control or I'd call it domestic abuse Mm. there would not be anybody saying that that was incorrect what blows my mind is when you give that example people are like this it's different it's a child and you're like damn right it's different it's a child damn right it's a child it's a little child it is a child how dare you see that it's incorrect to treat an adult in that way but you will absolutely go ahead and humiliate and shame a child in that way and not expect any repercussions in fact you will expect validation and you kind of say that stuff and people are angry and I don't know whether it's that they're angry because they've slapped their kids they've humiliated their kids so they need to rationalize that behavior so it makes sense to them well i did that because of abc let me make sense of that because then i'm a good person and not actually somebody who lost control or is it that their past was such that they were humiliated and harmed by their parents so they've decided you know what i'm going to do is i'm going to believe that that was good parenting because i love my parents instead of seeing that you can like do what i do i love my mum and dad my mother has never raised a hand to me never but she would occasionally humiliate me <clears throat> she would occasionally humiliate me and i can remember those with a poignancy and pain yeah. and my father would hit me when i was a kid You know, we was brought up in a time where normalised hitting occurred and he never hurt me badly, but he really struggles now as an adult male father of a certain age, Mm. knowing that he harmed any of us. My dad would ring Matron Clancy. That would be one of his things. I'm ringing Matron Clancy to come and get you and your sister. And the fear it provoked, the fear was awful. And what I was trying to get across today is... 
humiliating, shaming, or creating fear in a child is not the foundation of love and support and security that you're trying to create for your babies. I agree. And the babies throughout their lives, you know, when they're adults, they'll be my babies, you know, they're my boys. So I don't want to cripple or fracture it. I just don't want to do it. There was one time, one time I got frustrated with my eldest son, once really frustrated as a young man, and it was when he refused to go to football. Yes. And he refused and refused and refused and refused. It was for his really important for what he was doing. He was doing really well. He got in a team, blah, blah, blah. He didn't want to go. And I just couldn't get him to do it. He just wouldn't do it. And there was nothing we could do. And I got really upset with him. And I said some things that I think were unfair and on reflection were regretful. But he didn't need me to take a step back from that because I knew straight away and said it. There was not a point where I was like, this is right and I'm justifying my event and I'm justifying my language and I'm correct. I was like, hey, I'm out of order. Yeah. And parents sometimes fail to see that you don't have to be right. You can actually screw up. You can actually make a mistake. That, to me, would be an event that would never happen again. That one event where I feel like I was cruel. Yeah. You know, I felt like I was cruel. You know, the kid didn't want to go. He was nervous and anxious about meeting new people. They were older than him. He felt less than. And instead of being able to kind of recognise that and, like, hold on to that and acknowledge it, instead I just kind of, like, was, oh, no, what do I do? Mm. And the truth was, you know what? It's awful when your child elects to take control and says no. Because as a parent, you kind of want to just be able to get your kids to agree with you and to collaborate with you and think, yeah, you're right, because you're the parent. But in that moment, he was like, I'm not doing this. And I don't get physical, so I couldn't drag him there. And I don't scare him. Yeah. So I couldn't make him threatened, feel threatened. But actually, that was good. Because at the end of that event, yeah, okay, he won, as far as if we're going to say this is a battle. He won in his mind in that moment, whilst he didn't feel victorious. But what I gave him was an understanding that... Just because I believe it's the right way doesn't mean he has to agree with me. Yeah, yeah. And that he took something important from that. So I think it was like a really important lesson learned. And that's like the only time, bar once when he was a very, very small boy and he had two years old, he got diagnosed with his eyesight problem. And it was contact lenses, which he needed. And trying to get one in, I was frustrated. And I kind of, I didn't get angry with him. I didn't shout at him or anything. But I was kind of like really knocky with him. Like, you know, a two-year-old boy. And again, in that moment, I was just like, check your behavior, Emma. Check your behavior because he'll remember that. And you know what? He does. He remembers it. He remembers that I went from being misloving, compassionate, caring, empathic, fun mum to like annoyed mum, you know? <laughs> and he will laugh at me. I'll say, I've never, ever forgotten that moment. I said to him in that moment, I said, literally within about 30 seconds of me getting like riled up, I said, I will never do this to you again. I will never, ever, ever do this to you again. Mark my words. I will never behave like that again. And all his life, I have never done that in that kind of circumstance. Yeah. And likewise with the football, I said pretty much straight away, I will never behave like that again. Because that's growing and learning and accepting your human flaws and being willing to accept that no perfect. I just think perfect. It's, it's just really good parenting. But it's just more about intuitive, isn't yeah. it? It's just like, come on, all I say is how would I like to be treated? Yeah, yeah. It's just such a simple equation. You know, but there is, you know, these people, these people that do look troll sort of the internet looking, you know, it's, it is just, they have, they, they obviously do not 
have anything better to do. And everything you've just said there, by the way, that this person we've been having issues with today obviously knows all of that already because they really know us. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, I just, I just guess that... It's me and my bunny boiling yeah, ways. I just girl. guess, like we said, that they've just, you know, the type of people that have fallen out with humans or fallen out with themselves or I don't know, and they're just deciding to... Um, because more than often, you look on the, on the, the the profiles of these people or these handles, these Twitter handles or pseudonyms, whoever they are, and they just go through and just insult, insult, no. insult, insult, insult. And it is, you know what? I think I just I feel sorry for these type of people. I feel sorry that they're that vindictive and that like uh, nasty. You know, they're obviously I wouldn't say mentally unwell. I just think that they've just got huge, huge issues with. You with, can't have that kind of evil trait within you regarding your willingness to try to pull people down not always knowing what's going on you know not knowing when pam died for example people would still be nasty they wouldn't think ah she's just like nursed and lost the most important person in her world in this moment they would just carry on because you don't want to see outside of that world and that's what people do. Mm. And like my belief and your belief, and you know my belief really is this, you are still catching up with this belief. But like if we're in a traffic jam and someone cuts in, I don't get angry. I'm like that person probably just needs to get somewhere fast or even if they don't, maybe they've got a crap job or they've got a relationship issue and they need to get home. Or maybe they've got a sick kid. Like I always just think, what's it really costing me? Yeah, I mean, I I never used to think of that until I met you, you know, so what sort of day are these people having? Someone's having a bad day. You know, it is. It is. If you just take a little step, take back, a step back, yeah. But obviously, these people that are on Twitter doing this, though, they can't be having a bad day. If they're having a bad day every single day, then they need to start, you know. But looking. they probably are. That's what, because yeah, you can't yeah. have that kind of insidious nastiness without exhibiting it in your other areas of life, which means you'll never have whole relationships. You'll never have fully loved, embracing relationships. Like. When you're happy and you love people and you're loved in return, you just don't have that insidiousness. You just don't Mm. have it. It's like you don't want to project that into the world. You kind of want to adopt a sense of gratitude. And that's the thing for me. Like, the world is good to me. And when I was looking at kind of the comments I was getting today, and there's so many more, because I genuinely just cultivate what I feel is a family of love online because I really like my family. And I call them that. And people are like, oh, you don't know what you're on about. It's like, I know the lives of a lot of these people. I follow them. I look on their line. I check them out. I want to know how they are. And they're so bloody supportive. But when I kind of look at them, I think... You know, when those people are being nasty, when you're giving an opinion, and it might be, for example, I don't hit, I don't shout, I have a really great relationship with children, my kids are great, they're really nice kids, everybody loves them. There will, of course, be people who don't like my kids. My kids will, of course, said nasty things occasionally, or maybe have hurt somebody at some point, because they're kids. At no point did I go, my kids are perfect. Mm. It was just, this works better. Positive communication positive discipline is a better option for a parent and then people are like oh you've got a nanny you're middle class you know it's like no where's they get that idea from someone came to on to be honest that yeah. Charles was correct when he wrote or she wrote they can't afford one it's like you're absolutely right maybe like, you do know us she doesn't even see her kids she has a nanny she'll see him on the weekend and that's it no. it's like come on what, what you know what just 
I'm sorry, I, I, but I, 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 what, what are you smoking, love? Yeah. What you are know? you saying about my, my nanny? That she's yeah. that skilled that I only need to see them on the weekends. I know, my gosh. <laughs> Find it's me a like, nanny who can do that. Yes, you know, it's just, you know, they obviously think that we live in, you know, Mayfair in London and that we have, you know, <laughs> uh, we have actually have either A, Nanny McPhee or B, yeah. um, what do you call it, Mary Poppins, you know. Oh, I would like Mary Poppins. Ah, yeah, I'd like a Mary Poppins. Who wouldn't want to like, who wouldn't want to like a Mary Poppins in the life? I mind Mary Poppins <laughs> as the original. Julie Andrews. Yeah. Or Mary Poppins now, Emily Blunt. I think they're both winners. They're both pretty. Yeah, I'm they're looking both forward lovely. to seeing that actually one, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Don't I'm not gonna right say I'm not gonna <laughs> I was it. just about to say I'm not gonna shoehorn a cockney accent into this well, podcast. You were saying that, but there was a bit of you that was like, oh I might just do no, it. No, I was actually gonna say I'd like a Dick Van Dyke in my life as well because he he's pretty Dick Van Dyke's still brilliant. The thing is, you know, you know everyone's like, it's not, it's not gonna pop out, didn't they? Everybody excuse me. <laughs> that cockney accent's not gonna pop out. Everybody got a gutter mind. Everybody slagged it off, but when I was a kid I was enchanted by it. I thought he was brilliant. I just thought I just thought it was all those films were brilliant but I just are. thought it was brilliant I didn't, I didn't broomsticks yeah I didn't bang, bang. I did not think for one minute that his accent was terrible I was just captivated it was yeah. amazing I mean Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is just brilliant I know I mean I every... love Julie Andrews as well though yeah was I she in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang no I didn't that was someone else wasn't it her. Truly Scumptious was someone yeah, else in that wasn't it her. I can't remember her name but mm. yeah no that was, that was a good film that yeah. uh, Mary Poppins I'm looking forward to seeing the new one people are like she was Sound of Music as well wasn't she yeah yeah but people are like oh the remake in Mary Poppins oh, you know do anything absolutely. absolutely Emily Blunt's brilliant remake everything with her you know, that's what I'd say absolutely you know Terminator yeah stick her in that yeah she was brilliant <laughs> yeah. in that live die repeat she was, wasn't Amazing. she? Amazing. Yeah. She was Lived hardcore. I repeat and what was it called? It was like two names to that Yeah, film, that wasn't one, it? I don't know. Yeah, something great. tomorrow or something. Yeah, yeah. That it was, was great. Yeah. Really good. I mean, people don't, there's people going about Tom Cruise. Look at us. Hang on a minute. We're turning this into a film review section. I'm sure Every we... week we'll do a yeah. film review. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've just remembered. We said no, lad, post last podcast that we haven't done. Urban Myths. We forgot to talk about We forgot to come back. We've been that busy, as Emma has already said, we forgot to bring an urban myth. Oh, why hasn't anybody reminded us? More importantly, it's your fault because I've been even more busy than you. Yeah. Project blame. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll, I, I'll take that. I'll soak it up. I can tell fault. you an urban myth. I mean, I can make one up. <laughs> Start one. The Scissor Man. In fact, I know one. Go on. So there's a place in the northeast. Okay. It's an urban, I mean, yeah, it's an urban myth for the northeast. So just to say, we did remember an urban myth. We were just yeah. lulling you into a false yeah. sense of security about us maybe having misplaced yeah. our organisation for this podcast. There's but two no. actually that I could come out with. I mean, there's nothing. I don't know if there's anything happened about them, you know. But I know that there was an urban myth of a place in in the northeast in Middlesbrough called Eston has Eston Hills, and Eston Hills is an old iron iron ore mine. From like, I mean, like going back. We don't care. Just get to right. the urban myth. And all the mines up there uh, were still open in the seventies and eighties. And when you walked along the top path, apparently there was a man that used to roam around up there with a pair of shears, and he used to attack people. And he was called the Scissor Man, and he'd cut off various parts of your body. Was it not the thumbs? If you such thumbs. No, this guy was just generally just popping out of mines and cutting people. Really? <laughs> the scissor man. Yeah. And then the other one I know was a place called Carlton when he used to go on a scout camp and a cub camp. <laughs> Wait was... a minute. When you say scissors, was it scissors or were they shears? Shears. Like shears, scissor man. 
So it should be called Shia Ed- Man. Ed- Edward Scissorhands. It should be called yeah, Shia no, Man. That's not Scissors Man. Maybe it like would have got too mixed up with like He Man and Shia yeah, Man. Yeah, but that was that was an urban myth for the for the Eston area in the sort of seventies uh, and eighties. Scissor Man up Eston Hills, and the other one I know was a quick one is the um, when I was at cub camp in the Carlton, which is like northeast as well. It's like up in the up in the hills, <laughs> you know, in the woods, um, like going on to Yorkshire. It was the uh, it was the mongoose. They tell you there was a monster called the mongoose. But when you were with that kids, you didn't really you didn't have Google and stuff. And if you weren't aware, a mongoose isn't. I always they said it was like a bird like monster that would come down and take young children when they were on cub camp. So this mongoose, I'd all I read, you know, and it terrify you. This 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 mongoose, the urban myth, used to roam the woods. It used to terrify you. You know, it wasn't a bird. A mongoose is a little, like, you know, ferret type thing, you know. <laughs> like, but they made it out as if it was a bird flying. But mongooses thing that... sound big. Anything with the word like yeah. goose and mongoose is like just yeah. sounds big, doesn't it? Sounds nasty. And they made out as it if it was like, like a, a nasty goose. bird. Moose goose. Moose goose. <laughs> Like a moose, like a moose goose, like mongoose. a cross between a goose yeah. and a moose. Yeah, yeah. like oh, that'd yeah. be like a flying sized moose. Oh yeah, my god, a massive sharp pointy like, really teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Run away! Terrible. But it was yeah, the that's, thing that's is, though, my. Pete, you did actually used to get incredibly homesick though when you went on. Camps. I did. You I weren't did. the type of kid that wanted to go away from your mum and dad, were you? No. And then when I started talking about ghost stories, that that was it. You I actually once wrote a letter home to your mum, didn't you? I did. You'd only been there two days, and you wrote a pleading yeah. letter. Come and get me. I'm, I'm distraught. It was so sad, and she didn't get you. No, left me. I mean, the teachers you rang her. Upset. You were terribly upset. You were what I would call the heartbroken for a child. Yeah. See. Even though I know it's really helpful sometimes for resilience for kids to deal with those. That's kind what the teachers said. Yeah. To some degree, it would depend on like how rational I could be around that when I was a mum, because the idea of that distress and rejection and abandonment, I think it's quite troubling when I think about children. I can kind of see that that could be quite damaging for you. Mm, well, and quite, you I'm, are really afraid of abandonment. I'm not putting it just down to that, but you are. <laughs> you are really scared of being yeah. abandoned. That is your thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, some people call me Needy Pete. I might call you Needy Pete, but it's hey, Men With Love. Where's Needy Pete? Men but With it, Love. You know, it's quite ironic, really, because now I, I rarely see my, many of my family, really. That's um, right, because you've got me. Yeah, so I've sort of like... <laughs> projected that sort of neediness onto someone else now well you know. i like to think that i've met you oh, you know don't leave me <laughs> <laughs> do you want my urban myth yes i would love your urban myth well there's not the you told us a, a brief one last week about the doll and the man following the doll. you're not just going to make one up are you no no so in the 40s there were sightings of a man who could jump over walls and... (laughs) (laughs) Are you making this up? A man who could jump over walls and... Well, I can jump The reason this happened, no big, tall, like, 10-foot walls, the reason this happened was because people were getting robbed of items. It wasn't anything like assault for anything other than taking possession. And people would kind of get a coat taken or an item like cigarettes or it was like almost like the person or the thing was kind of cultivating objects that were human. Then one day in this farmhouse where two sisters had lived their entire life, one of the sisters came downstairs and in the front room, her sister was unconscious and stood over her was a man in a cape, but he was about 12 foot tall and he was crouched over her. 
And when he saw her, he went and she saw him jump. And this carried on a few sightings and he was given the name Spring Hill Jack. And the last sighting he was seen when he was shot by a similar scenario. He was dragging somebody out of the door and they shot him and he kind of just fell to the floor. They ran back in and when they went back out, a group of like similar cloaked large people kind of put a cloak over him and disappeared. And that's the legend of Spring Hill Jack. I think he was an alien. Oh, I like that. Spring Hill Jack. It's um, Wagamagasack as well. I've heard the Wagamagasack, yeah. It's scary, it's scary. Wagamagaman or Wagamagasack? Wagamagasack. Yeah, I mean this... Can't the, uh, see him sideways. Yeah, see the... Yes. See, the alien things, they, they really interest me then. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in time travel and uh, at some point... Well, you'd know because Pete from the future has already been in touch with you. Oh, well, yeah, for people, yeah. Listen yes. to our other podcast if you want to know about Pete from the future. Yes, please, yeah, because obviously he exists. Um, well, yeah, he does exist. Cause, <laughs> he will you know, exist, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I'm... Um, yeah, you're I a think, sucker for naivety. You, I'm a sucker for naivety, but I'm also I'm also open to you know ideas and theories around things that are a little bit sort of out there. People just, like to be convinced by things. It's like ages ago, I did a show for Darren Brown called um, I think it was like Tricks of the Mind, yeah, and it was all about people believing in lots of different kind of areas regarding like the supernatural and I had to be a psychic and they just asked me to cold read but also I did the Barnum effect yes which is basically where you sit down with somebody and go do you know what you're a really really intuitive person you're somebody who kind of really gets a gauge on people but at the same time sometimes you can be really naive and taken in and feel used so you basically give them the extreme opposite of one another where they're going to have had to fit into one of those. So they'll kind of then take that on board and be like, oh, she knows what she's doing. And there was one woman and she was sat there and I could see she was clearly older than she was dressed for, but she still looked very good. But I could see the way that she presented herself was not as a young woman would. She was wearing clothes like a young woman, but they were too well tailored. She knew her style. She's mm-hmm. a very attractive black woman, very attractive and looked fantastic. But I knew she was at least 30. She would have got away with saying she was like 24, but she looked about that way. And I was reading her and I said, you actually feel like you have children. She was like, yeah. And so instantly I knew that she meant children. She didn't kind of hesitate as if child or non-child. And I was like, I'm getting a sense of a young child because she's young. And she was like, right. And I was like, ah, you call them your gift. And she was like, it's my son. I tell everyone he's my gift, he's my baby. And I'm like, which mother in the world doesn't call the baby yeah, the gift? Yeah. But it's enough to convince people. And I think like, as much as I want to believe that aliens exist, I'm not saying for one minute that alien life doesn't exist elsewhere because universes on universes on universes on universes. So the idea that we're the only living beings of some sort in the whole entire experience of being, maybe that's a little bit far-fetched, but whether it would represent anything similar to us or have any consciousness in the way that we have it or be advanced. I think that what people think of when they think about alien life isn't amoebas, 
it's, oh, wow, there'll be this massively advanced group of human beings or kind of human being-ish. Even when people, like, spot what is considered to be the archetypal alien, which is either the tall, really long-limbed, weird-headed one, the short kind of thing. Oh, the short one. It's still like It's the blues and the greys, isn't it? Yeah. And then there's there's the the, the thought behind the thought that it is... There is that many out there, and it's the same as humans. There's bad ones and there's good ones. Oh, there's a book, and I've read the book. I pass it but, to you. But you know, the idea—you know—what I would say is, if it's the case, and let's say there is a case that there are extraterrestrials and that they are orbiting our planet or that they visit here, why the frig would they anally probe you? I mean, seriously, <laughs> like you know, you think Might about be into it. it. <laughs> but that's just it. You think about it. Of all the things that they're going to need to do, if they can, like come from one universe yeah. to another without any kind of what we're going to do is why don't we shove something up their anus yeah. I mean it's just that's what I mean you see that's the it's bit it's the only way into the body without being a, intrusive but you know, intrusive that's, that's the bit that kind of makes me go nah mm. unless they're really clever and they're like hang on a minute if we anally probe everyone there's no way that most people will believe we're real and yeah. then we can just get away with it you know I mean it's, it's it is it's, it's, I mean people do podcasts on this sort of stuff every week I'm not you know, being disrespectful you know. to oh, people no, I think, no, I, I think, I think it's, it's amazing I get completely transfixed when yeah. people talk about it you know when people started talking about the Twin Towers going down and that it wasn't actually real and it was kind of a conspiracy they had me half convinced yeah. for a while I mean I like I mean I just found it interesting reading books by you know, Eric Von Daniken and stuff like that you know looking at sort of all these theories if you see a white owl yeah, that, that was a different that wasn't Eric Von Daniken that was something Some of else, the gods uh, no Chariots of the Gods Eric Von Daniken the, the, the white owl one is the um, I passed you that book there's a book there's a, the, the fourth kind is a film loosely based on it no it wasn't it was in a book that you gave me was it? Yeah. Isn't well, it a book that you gave me? Yeah, yeah, that was the book. But there's a film, The Fourth Kind, which also mentions... I've it's seen like a bit of that. Loosely... It's so ludicrous and ridiculous. The original footage is meant to be in it, and it's just so staged. Yeah. But the Eric Von Daniken stuff, that's interesting to read. And there's, like, mm. there's Chariots of the Gods, and then there's, there's stuff about the manor machine. There's all sorts of things that come from the Bible and stuff like that, mm. where there's, they say there's evidence and stuff. And if, if anything, it's an interesting Listen, read. I love the idea yeah. that there is magic and I would think that extraterrestrial life that could teleportate themselves to this planet and travel through time that is magic that is like so magic yeah. that like they are the best magician I've ever seen in my life and I'm totally having some of that if, if, if anybody wants to come and abduct me and take me through time and space to hopefully yeah. an interplanetary area which is incredible and probably mimic something of Star Wars I am so yeah. there yeah, without so the fighting though I'd like to go to a planet without any interplanetary <laughs> fighting I'd like to do it where there is an altruistic leader bringing only peace and harmony and also where there is a time machine that can make me 12 to 13 years younger <laughs> tiny bit taller slightly slimmer legs I'd like a waist I'd like a waist and slightly bigger hips if that <laughs> could happen just throwing it out uh, there so, you know an alien or two bring them yeah, away so if there's any extraterrestrials out there that are listening who'd uh, <laughs> like to show themselves anytime just give us a shout totally yeah. you're you might not be listening you might be listening <laughs> I am what's to say that I'm not an extraterrestrial hey They'll be like, we're not to get an urge, it's too opinion-based. Yeah, they might be listening now, though. Hey, you never know. That's who knows us, that's the person on Twitter getting in touch with us all the time. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> but there we go. It's insane, really, isn't it, when you think about it? When you think about what we were talking about last week, just about that whole idea of, like, you know, 
the grain of sand on the beach and the fact that if you look at every grain on the beach in the world, then that can't account for a tiny even speck of the universe. Like yeah, well, there was a, a fact yesterday that we came across at the Women's Institute and um, one of the the, the, uh, the gardening David, guy, wasn't David, it? yeah, from uh, it was a gardening show this morning. Yeah, and he, and he, and he had a quiz and he, he said, in a, a handful, yeah. of soil that you pick up so this is a true fact a handful of soil that you pick up there is more organisms within that handful of soil than there is people on the earth just a handful and of when soil. you actually put that into like a micro level that's almost like those billions of microorganisms like our universe to them yeah, is my, universe on universe it's insane isn't it just mind-blowing you know what I mean it starts to ache your your head you know right. and it's it is just a fascinating that's what life, life is brilliant life is brilliant you know and people say about the meaning of life like I'd love to know the meaning of life I want to see the meaning of life no you don't babies it'd take, babies are the meaning yeah, of life but it, it'd take out all of the fun yeah. of the journey that we're all on we're all on the same journey I mean, we're getting deep now aren't we yeah. making sense of some deepness but it's we're all on the same journey. We are. We're all on the yeah. same planet, the same journey. Obviously, people can go into the old politics and the old money side of things, you know, but we are technically all on the same journey. Oh, I see the same. Yeah. Exactly. It's you amazing. Know? You look up at the stars and you're all looking at the stars. And it's it is, incredible. you know, some people might say, oh, look at him going on about this and that, you know, but I just think it is, it's magnificent. I think, you know, just trying, you know, people were talking about people falling out with, with life and falling out with humans, you know, just... But my advice is just try and find... Find the beauty. Yeah, try and find it again. Whatever you get into, whatever you do, just sit back, take a step back and just have a bit of a a soul-searching time and just, you know, whatever. I don't know, I think if you get to a certain age, you need to do that, obviously. Existential crisis. There we go, we've gone back to this thing. You're halfway through it. Once you get to the end, that's when I can start mine. But I think we can... um, but I'll take notes with yours. No, don't, 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 you know. It um, is though finding the beauty and finding the magic. It's so important because yeah. there is beauty in everything. Maybe it is an age thing. I don't know. Maybe it's an age thing. You just I think some people are looking. They kind of get it from day one. But I think that for some of us, we take a lifetime searching for us, and then some of us get to our age, and we're kind of like yeah. we're starting to begin to see more of that magic and just the everyday yeah. miracles that make living, like you say, a, a piece of wonder in yeah. this world I mean I must admit sunshine helps it really does maybe we're feeling more positive because of that <laughs> maybe it's you can see behind me it's not sunny at the moment but it's getting can't there. wait yeah and on that note I guess we come to the end of yet another one of our podcasts I, I hope you've enjoyed the ramblings oh that was a bang off my perfect children yeah. that's right they were dropping that perfectly more perfectly than most children would be able to do because that's what they are Perfect. <laughs> anyway, join us next week where we'll be discussing probably some more urban myths because we'll have actually Googled and found yeah. that are interesting. Something Just writing with your own Google bits. Yeah. We want to, uh, I'm going to try and find an urban myth with, a, with an outcome. Spring Heel Jack may have arrived and abducted me and I may yeah. be able to give you a story from an interplanetary experience where I'm not annually probed, but I do get a waste. And the scissor man might have cut my arms off and replaced them with... I don't know, tree trunks or something from Eston Hills. If that isn't enough to entice you into yet another scintillating episode of what can only be the man ramblings of two individuals sat in a kitchen somewhere in the heart of Manchester, I really don't know what else would. <laughs> See you later. See ya. Be kind to each other.